You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Allergies in young children can be both challenging and frightening. In Australia, food allergies are estimated to affect between 4 and 8% of children under 5 years of age. Heidi Young was a paediatric nurse for 17 years and has been a clinical nurse specialist in childhood allergy for the last three years. She founded The Nest to arm parents and carers with the tools to handle allergies in their children. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. When I mentioned The Nest there, um, that you created it, um, you obviously saw a need in your work to have something really specific for parents. Yeah, definitely. So um, it was a couple of things that that made me bring the nest together. One, um, a couple of years, uh, I've just been wanting to sort of do something something of my own. Um, have um, you know, I can only reach people in the hospital system at the moment because although I founded the nest, I still work at Sydney Children's as a clinical nurse specialist um, two days a week, and there's just such a need because people come. They have one appointment a year or every two years um, they get to ask the specialist all these questions in that short period of time and because of how allergies exploded in Australia there is you know not very much um, not very you can't see a specialist very often or you pay to go private which is you know quite a lot of money for families um, and I just saw a need where people really have got quite basic questions they don't a lot of the questions that they've got are things that um that you know someone that someone who's just a specialist in the field maybe like a nurse specialist like myself can easily answer and put their mind at rest because a lot of families are just living in fear um and along with that obviously comes the the CPR and first aid side of things that Nest does as well but the allergy is just such an issue in Australia at the moment so how much of the allergies that are, are common are fatal because that's what really frightens parents mm. isn't it yeah so when we talk about that four to eight percent how much of that is likely to be seriously dangerous allergies so an allergy is an allergy so we often hear people say my child is allergic to milk but anaphylactic to egg and that's not that's not right because if you have an allergy you have the ability to have anaphylaxis to it at any point wow so you can have like six allergic reactions of just hives and um, some redness and maybe, you know, swollen eyes, etc. to egg. And then the seventh time it can be anaphylaxis. So just, and then again, because you've had anaphylaxis once doesn't necessarily mean you would have it again. But the trouble is we don't know. We don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know if your child is going to be that one to have anaphylaxis. So any allergy should be taken seriously, whether they, the child has previously had anaphylaxis um, or not. So is the reason why we can't tell whether the reaction will be anaphylactic or not is that a lot of allergies you'll have a response or the child will have the response but by the time you've been able to go in and see a doctor or um get them to a hospital the reaction itself is not there anymore like it comes and it goes is that why we um, can't tell what's happening in their bloodstream to cause the reaction or no not really because anaphylaxis would come very quickly with so the hives would come the you know uh, the, the other symptoms maybe and then the anaphylaxis would come immediately because it's in it's they're digesting it and it's in their bloodstream at that point so once a child has anaphylaxis um and then we you know we can treat it give them adrenaline off and then we keep them for four hours and they can go home and then they're likely to be fine. They, it rarely 
reoccurs because it's literally out of their system. So it can reoccur later on in, in the day or whatever, but that's not very common. But no, so if it was going to be anaphylaxis, it would have been. So by the time they see the specialist, they'll have that history. Um, if, this, you know, us at the hospital or, you know, any specialist sees that the story behind it shows that it could be a high-risk child for anaphylaxis, then they will get an EpiPen to be able to treat. But anaphylaxis comes like that. So so you've said a couple of things there that I can imagine are part of what is causing parents to sort of sit in that place of fear for a mm-hmm. long time, mainly that you don't know when anaphylaxis might strike. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the prime things that you want to dispel for parents, the fear that, I mean, it, it could happen? Mm. How do you get rid of that fear? Well, the only way that we try, what we try and teach parents is that basically to create awareness around their child. So it's impossible to live in a world where you're not exposed to things that your child's allergic to. Completely impossible unless you just stay inside forever. So what we need to do is we need other people around us to be aware of uh, the allergies. We need to teach school children not to share food. This is a big thing. Um, We need to tell we need to teach teenage boys to carry their EpiPens they're the highest risk and not because their allergies are worse but because they don't carry their EpiPens Um, and we need to really just empower parents which is part of what I'm trying to do that the EpiPen is their friend it's not there to be um, to be scared of it's an extra dose of adrenaline which your body kicks in and gives your you anyway when you're in anaphylaxis it's most of the time completely works within five minutes you know um rarely it doesn't and you need more but we just need to empower them with the skills of knowing what to do because if your child does have anaphylaxis it is very quick but it's also only a couple of things that you can do and need to do to rectify it and so is that uh, you mentioned CPR before and the, the nest teaches mm-hmm. that I feel like I've I've learned CPR twice now and I still feel like I need to do it again. Like mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. going to remember it all the time. Is that the same as what you're trying to do in, in being um, allowing parents to be able to come and refresh on those skills? What definitely. do I do when my child has an anaphylactic Yeah, reaction? definitely. Because it, it can, it's very simple, but in that moment, it's every, your, your whole world is just kind of crashing down. So it, to be, if you can have those constant um, refreshes all the time, it's likely to just stick more because there is really only three things you need to do if your child is showing some of these symptoms. And the big thing that I say is that there's a little box on your red action plan, which has these symptoms of anaphylaxis on it. And they're the only things you need to be thinking about at that point. And if your child has one of them, you give the EpiPen. So we're not asking you to make the decision as a parent because most parents will say, I was scared. I didn't know whether to give. That's what we hear a lot. And I can totally understand that. Um, But the action plan is there and we've told you what to do on the action plan so that you don't need to make that decision. And are those three points the same for every child? So the the, the one point is um, the symptoms. Um, So if there's any of those symptoms, they hold the child, give the EpiPen and call the ambulance. And so what are those symptoms? So it can be, um, uh, so coughing is a persistent cough. If you believe your child has had something that they shouldn't have eaten, then a persistent cough is probably the number one thing that we see. Um, A wheeze. So any kind of wheeze immediately would need to give adrenaline. Um, The uh, vomiting sometimes, but that can be more for a bee sting or like an insect sting. Um, 
some uh, swelling around like changing the voice that can be a big one so dizziness is a big one or if they're smaller children then they would go pale and floppy so they wouldn't be able to tell you that they're they're dizzy Um, and sometimes swelling of the tongue but actually that isn't something we see that's what we see in the Hollywood movies but that's not actually something that I have seen very often in the last three years but the persistent cough is quickly followed by a wheeze normally and that's and so what's the danger of giving adrenaline if you see one of those symptoms but you've misread it somehow and you're wrong? doesn't matter. Give. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's... If in doubt, give. So your body has adrenaline anyway. It's a natural um, a natural part of what, what we have in our system. So when you go into anaphylaxis, your body will release its natural adrenaline. Um, but we've got the EpiPen as a top-up. So... If um, a lot of sometimes uh, anaphylaxis would rectify itself because of your own adrenaline, but we don't know when it will and when it won't. So we must give that EpiPen as soon as we hear any of those or see any of those symptoms. Um, uh, and as, as, you know, precaution or need, but we need to be giving that EpiPen. If for any reason you didn't need the adrenaline, then your body's just going to get rid of it the same way as it would anything else. But it knows what to do with adrenaline because we have it anyway. So if in doubt, give Every time. And whereabouts do you give the adrenaline? I, I have images of you stabbing your child in the heart. <laughs> I know, that's like, Pulp Fiction. Pulp <laughs> no. Fiction. That's, what I, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then I thought, what's that even? I don't remember why she passed out. And was that adrenaline? I don't remember. I think it was. It was a heroin overdose, I think. <laughs> um, in the meaty part of the side of the thigh. So just on the outside of the thigh. Um, and we would place the EpiPen against the thigh. We don't do a run up and stab we just (laughs) place the epicurne against the side of the thigh and push until it clicks and it will go through jeans it will go through any uh, clothing because it's all about speed and ease so um yeah it goes through into the side of the thigh so it just goes into the uh, the muscle there okay so you don't have to get a specific vein or no 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 i feel much more relieved and i don't have a child with allergies (laughs) um so when you talk about education i feel like that must be the hardest part for all parents because even though most parents know that allergies have been on the rise most parents will know a child with an allergy in some ways it does it still doesn't feel common enough that all parents take it seriously i mm. still hear parents complaining about oh i was told i couldn't put that in their bag because it has a trace of nuts in it mm. um do you see that as a challenge for parents who have children with allergies just to get other families and the community on board with it? Definitely, definitely. That's probably one of the main worries, that and extended family, because they're exposed to um, them more often and it's like, oh, a little bit won't hurt. And I've I've seen a, a child with this this much egg, like a um, size of my f- little fingernail, um, need six doses of adrenaline and ICU admission because they had anaphylaxis oh, that just goodness. wasn't wasn't going away. So a little bit does hurt to a child that has an allergy that severe. We didn't know that child had an allergy that severe. So, you know, it comes out of the blue sometimes. But it is a major concern. And all we can do is really try and educate the wider. So in my classes, I say, you know, friends and family, let's bring everyone in so that we can say I got firsthand, um, you know, I've, I've seen firsthand anaphylaxis all the time, like, you know, nearly once a week I see it. So it's definitely a concern. I think sometimes when I am in my hospital job and we see anaphylaxis, I don't think it's a bad thing that the other nine parents see it. It's upsetting, but I actually don't think it's a bad thing because some of them haven't ever seen it and they don't see it looks different. You haven't always got a child gasping and choking and 
holding their throat that isn't and a big swollen tongue it doesn't always look like that so afterwards they're always full of questions which is really good because the more people we can speak to because allergies exploded in the last 30 years it it was almost non-existent in Australia 30 years ago and and now it's one in 10. Do we have any idea why it's increased? Uh, There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of research going into that at the moment it does it is pointing to um, environmental factors but definitely children with um, uh, dry skin like eczema they can get sensitized through their skin to a food and then because it's come through the skin and not into the gut the body sees it as a, an enemy um there there's more there's a more of a multicultural population now in australia and especially in new south wales um and there's quite a large asian population with allergies um and so it seems to be that if those children were born in Asia and not in Australia that they'd be less likely to have those allergies so it's definitely pointing to environmental but one in ten under ones has a diagnosed food allergy now. And when you say one in ten so allergies you can respond in different ways so then the extreme is the anaphylaxis anaphylaxis, which you say can happen at any point Um, but what if it's uh, a reaction to milk? They don't like, like they, they feel unwell when they have milk and so you change it to goat's milk or soy milk or whatever mm-hmm. the substitute might be. How many of those one in 10 are severe, dangerous allergies and how much are sort of mild responses to certain foods? So if it was just, um, say someone had uh, given their child cow's milk and they it just felt unwell and had a runny tummy and things like that. That could be more of an intolerance, which is different. Okay. That's not an immune response. That's not an allergy. So by going to see a specialist, they would do skin prick testing and try and figure out with the history whether that was an actual food allergy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the skin res- test results would tell them if there was a sensitivity there. But by drinking a certain type of milk and just feeling not very well, that could just be an intolerance, which is different. So that's not counted as the one in 10. And I'm sorry, when you said one in 10, is that food allergies? or yeah, is food. That just food. Food allergies, yeah. Can children grow out of it? Yes, yes. So we we do maybe, I don't know, 30 food challenges a week maybe 70% of them come out eating the food that they were previously seemed to be allergic to um, children 50 around 50% of children under 5 will grow out of their egg allergy like more likely than not children under the age of kind of 6 are more likely to grow out of their food allergies yeah and is there now a practice of exposing children to certain types of food um, to work out what they're allergic to. I know that with my daughter, when I was in introducing solids, uh, I was worried that mm. she might be allergic to something. Is there a way to introduce foods to be able to find out in a safe environment whether your child's allergic to them? Different um, there's no, no, there is no, lots of people ask that, but we, um, there's no specific way. We don't, we say don't rub the food on their skin or on their lips because it may go red and that doesn't really tell you anything. It just tells you that their skin is sensitive to that, be having peanut butter rubbed on it. So don't <laughs> yeah. do that. It's not going to tell you anything. The only way to do it is put it in the mouth. Like you just have to, you have to just have to kind of be brave and do that. Maybe just start with a tiny bit if you're nervous. Um, but there is research now to say for definite that if we get these common allergenic foods in as soon as we can between four to six months or whenever your child is ready but not before four months ever then that is reducing the rate of childhood allergy what was happening was we were all avoiding 
a decade ago, we were actually being told to avoid, avoid in pregnancy, avoid, don't give your kid this till they're two or three. Well, that's probably helped to this climb in childhood allergy now. And now it's like, get it in as soon as you can, even if there's a family history of the allergy. There's a lot of evidence to say now that getting it in quicker and sooner um, is what we should be doing to reduce that of allergy. Strawberries, all of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking of our listeners who might have um, baby starting solids mm-hmm. and perhaps they have a family history mm-hmm. and they want to try, but they also are very scared about trying. If you start to notice those symptoms that you mentioned before, like the wheezing, the, mm-hmm. the constant coughing, that sort of thing, if it's in a baby, should your first call be an ambulance or do you... If your baby starts to wheeze and cough... After having something like that, absolutely. Just yeah. go straight, yeah. call an ambulance, yeah. go straight to hospital. Yeah. Make you, if you're really worried, just make yourself aware of the symptoms of allergy, or the difference between the symptoms of allergy. Like some children will just get some hives around their mouth and that could just be a contact reaction um, or the difference between anaphylactic symptoms and allergy symptoms because you don't need to call an ambulance if they've just got some hives around their mouth. But if your baby is wheezing and coughing after having one of these common allergenic foods, then yeah, if it's sudden, if they don't already have like a bronchiolitis or something. Um, but yeah, for for sure. What about um, swelling lips? I remember once in my life I had, I was getting, I had a really severe reaction to shiitake mushrooms mm-hmm. of all things and my lips would swell. And it happened enough times that my GP said, I want you to watch that because that might be a sign of, that it's going into your respiratory system. Is there a connection between it, swelling of lips it can be. It, it isn't necessarily one of the signs of anaphylaxis. Um, it is just, it can often just be a contact reaction, but the lips do tend to swell quite dramatically. I've seen some very comical Duck lips. lips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that alone is not, um, not a worry for anaphylaxis. But yeah. Mm. So tell me a bit more about the nest. You've set it up to sort of equip parents mm-hmm. so that they can feel more empowered. Is it only in the offices? Are you online? Yeah, so no, we don't have any online courses at the moment, but that's definitely something I'll look into in the future. But at the moment, it's hands-on, face-to-face. So we're based here in Sydney and we do classes um, all around Sydney. Um, And I basically, we go into homes, so people's homes, um, but we also have venue. We've got a venue at the Children's Clinic in Bondo Junction where we do some um, classes out of there a couple of times a month. Um, Or if people want it in their daycares or um, anything like that. So we're mobile, we can go to them. So people can book um, a class of their own somewhere or if it's just an individual or a couple, they can come to us at the Children's Clinic um, in Bondi Junction or look on my website for other venues that are coming up. Okay, some of the other brilliant. That's been so interesting, Heidi. Mm. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you very much. That was Heidi Young from The Nest and you can find out more about Heidi and the courses she mentioned at the website www.thenestcpr.com and we'll also put links to that in the notes for this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Running a home takes a lot of energy. So at Energy Australia, we've created the Total Energy Plan. An energy plan that, yes, ticks the boxes. Get a discount off your total energy bill, guaranteed. No lock-in contracts and fixed rates for 12 months. 
Find out how you can save with our total energy plan. Energy Australia. Light the way. Conditions apply. To view basic plan information documents, visit energyaustralia.com.au.